Destination Earth, Part 2, A Children's Tale. Dimas City Museum had seen better days. Still, the large glass-fronted structure was imposing, sitting in the midst of lush, if unkempt parkland. The History of Space Travel Department, a vast hall with a polished marble floor, housed an extensive collection of spaceship mock-ups from all time periods. Rows of display cases contained a diverse assortment of strange artifacts, cracked relics, hand-carved figurines, and detailed maps. But by far the biggest exhibit was a giant metal half-sphere that hung from the main wall. This was a reconstruction of an ancient hyperdrive, one of the first faster-than-light engines ever built. Wow! This stuff is amazing! What do you think, Spin? I think I could make a killing selling all this crap. Do you think they lock their doors after dark? Dad, I found Mr. Braddock. Ah, very good. Very good. Mr. Braddock? Call me Spin. This is Garvey, my partner. Spin, Garvey, thank you for coming. You were recommended to me by a friend, Frasnor Gale. I believe you're able to help out his son with a small matter? Oh, Gale? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got mixed up with some shady characters. Yeah, it's quite. Well, the job I have for you is very different. Very different. What would you say if you could be part of history? Well, if that pays as well as it sounds, then I'm your guy. Excellent! Well, shall we begin? Uh, Jenna, would you get the lights and open the viewport, dear? Look up. What do you see? The stars? Yes! The stars! Oh, I never tire of this view. There is something about the stars that makes you feel human, don't you think? Millions of tiny dots separated by vast expanses of nothingness. Oh, you can't help but feel humbled. We've come far, Mr. Braddock. We have explored the farthest corners of our galaxy, but what have we learned? Almost nothing. The great question still eludes us. Why are we here? Is this just a brief firework that'll fizzle out and die, or... Is there some point to it all? Maybe the galaxy is just a large molecule, one of millions that form a grain of sand in the desert of eternity. The truth is, it's unlikely we will ever find out. Why don't you get to the point? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm rambling. What I'm trying to get at is this. If we can't find out where we're going, at least we can try to find out where we came from. Where we came from? Look up! Around one of those billions of suns, there circles a planet that is different from all the others. Now, I believe that on this planet, humans evolved from single-celled creatures to a species capable of faster-than-light travel. The planet of our ancestors, Mr. Braddock. <laughs> Sorry, you're not talking about what I think you're talking about. I'm talking about Earth. That's what I intend to find. Earth? Professor Anderton, Earth is a myth. It's a children's story. I used to watch corny hollow movies about Earth when I was a kid. You're right. It is a story for children, because children still have a sense of awe and wonder. There is a kernel of truth to every myth, Mr. Braddock. Now, I've spent all of my life researching Earth. If you'd like to follow me, 
In my younger days, I went on an expedition to Eno, a planet that is home to one of the oldest cultures in the galaxy. While excavating a gravesite, I stumbled upon this. Ah, it's a metal plate with some lines on it. Do you know what these lines mean? It looks like a map of some sort. Exactly! A map of the planet Earth. These shapes are the outlines of its land masses. There are millions of inhabited planets in the galaxy. What makes you think this one is Earth? Well, Jenna and I compared the outlines to the maps of all the habitable planets in the archive. There was no match. These continental formations are completely unknown. Well, that doesn't prove anything. No, no, well, let me finish. Look closer. See, here, on the bottom half of the plate? Are the guy and a girl floating in orbit around another planet. But see here, the light streaks that shine down from them to the surface. There, there are people falling inside them. The plate depicts the myth of Adam and Eve, the heavenly mother and father. They cast mankind down as punishment for their sins before returning to Eden, where they originated from. And this isn't the only example. I visited many worlds that had pre-space flight cultures. I found similar images with similar myths being told. Now look at these murals, engravings, figurines. They all show Adam and Eve floating above a planet, casting people down. All these cultures must have a common origin. And look closely. The outlines of Earth's continents appear on each and every one of these depictions. If you say so. <laughs> it's not a coincidence. There is a connection between all of these artifacts. For years, I've been pondering over it. But it was Jenna here who came up with the answer. It was staring at us the whole time. Look carefully at the depictions of Adam and Eve. Do you notice something strange? Yes, there's bulges on their heads. It looks like someone hit them with a really big stick. <laughs> Those bulges are hyperdrives, faster than light engines, just like the one hanging on the wall over there. Maybe the first hyperdrives ever constructed. <laughs> Adam and Eve weren't gods, Mr. Braddock. They were spaceships, giant ships built to colonize the galaxy. Mm, okay. On one of my expeditions, I found an ancient vessel with hibernation chambers. They were open. There were no flight controls of any kind. It was a colony pod, Mr. Braddock. And the more I looked, the more of these pods I found. On world after world, the, the, the people in the light beams aren't falling from the sky. They're being jettisoned. They are being jettisoned inside these pods to colonize planets. I don't get it. Why? Well, there are many theories. Maybe conditions on Earth became unsustainable due to some environmental catastrophe. Maybe the planet was suffering from overpopulation. Or maybe it was just the spirit of scientific exploration. Whatever the reason, the people of Earth sought out other habitable planets throughout the galaxy and sent these ships to populate them. So what do you need me for? Let me show you the map of our galaxy. Now these are the star systems where we found the escape pods. We sent out probes to nearby systems to gather topographical data. Jenna and I have reviewed the images we received from our last probe. It sent us a rather interesting picture of the surface of Aden, an ice planet near the outer rim. Now, let me zoom in. That is the planet's surface. Now, do you see it? It looks like a gigantic statue buried under the glacier. Do you know what it is we're looking at? A dead guy? <laughs> this dead guy is about 15 miles long. Look closer. There's a bulge on his forehead. Is that a hyperdrive? Yes! So, you're saying that this thing is a spaceship, shaped like a dead guy? Yes! 
I believe this is Adam, one of the two ships that were sent from Earth to colonize the galaxy. And you want us to check it out? I want you to find out where it came from. Now, if my theory is correct, the ship was sent out from planet Earth to fulfill a mission. Once the mission was over, it drifted aimlessly in space until it crashed on Aiden. It must have an onboard computer. Interstellar flight is impossible without advanced calculations. If it has a computer, it must have a memory core. And if it has a memory, Earth's coordinates must be stored within it. Why are you coming to me with this? I mean, you got this far. You must have the resources you can use for this kind of expedition. Oh, it's the war, Mr. Braddock. They've frozen our budget and diverted all our funds to the Defense Department. No one cares about humanity's past when the future is at stake. Your daughter said you'd pay me. Here, my life savings. It's all I've got. Half now, half upon successful recovery of the data. That doesn't even cover my expenses. Oh, Mr. Braddock, I implore you, help me. In the name of science! I'm sorry, Professor. Look, thanks for the history lesson, but we're done here. We should have taken the job. <laughs> Are you serious? He's looking for Earth. Earth, Garvey. It's utter nonsense. Look, look, I'm a serious guy. I, I don't have time to chase unicorns. Actually, there are unicorns on Zaldun. That's besides the point. Look, the pay is a joke. And even if it wasn't, I'd feel bad taking his money. He's delusional. It's undignified. Undignified? And I guess getting beaten up by armless war veterans is more dignified. Well, that guy in the bar obviously had a chip in his shoulder. Spin, how long do you want to keep doing this? Doing what? I saw the look on your face when that guy in the bar beat you up. It wasn't a bruised ego. You were ashamed of yourself. What are you talking about? I was annoyed, that's all. You were annoyed because he had a valid point. You're not that guy, Spin. You're not a war profiteer. You're not the guy who makes a quick credit from other people's misery. I'm not partners with that guy. Don't you try and take the moral high ground here. You didn't have any trouble taking his money either. You're paying me to fly. It wasn't my idea to take the job. And I would have said no if you'd have asked me. We're going back in there and we're telling the professor that we're in. I don't care about the pay. I want to do something that makes a difference. Even if this guy is crazy, at least he has a purpose in life, other than waiting around until the Grey kill us all. <clears throat> Jenna. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt. It's just my father can get quite excited when he talks about Earth and then he goes into all this detail about colony ships and ancient artifacts and hyperdrives and then he rambles on and on and on, kind of like I'm doing now. Um, look, please, just, just do this. <laughs> oh, not again. Everyone makes fun of him. They call him the Anderton Nebula behind his back. They didn't cut his funding to finance the war. They cut it because they found out he's looking for Earth. It would just mean so much to him. To me, if you could just take a look. If it means so much to you. <laughs> I'll go tell Dad. I try to appeal to your sense of self-esteem and get brushed off. But a couple of tears from a teenage girl and you melt like an ice cube in a supernova. Oh, shut up. Big old softy. Are there really unicorns on Zelda? Did the gigantic spaceship buried under the ice on planet Aiden really hold the forgotten coordinates of planet Earth? Tune in next time for part three of Destination Earth.
Destination Earth is written and directed by Patrick McGinley. It stars Jerry Redford, Jet Tattersall, Jemima Knight and Peter McCallum and is narrated by Francis Edwards. Music by Silke Matzpol. It was recorded at Sydney Sound Brewery by recording engineer John Resk. If you enjoy Destination Earth, please tell your friends about it and like and subscribe in your podcast app of choice. Reviews and comments are very much appreciated. On Twitter, we are at DestiEarthAudio. We are Destination underscore Earth underscore Audio on Instagram, and you can find us on the web at DestinationEarthAudio.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>